Good morning. So glad to see all of you here today. <clears throat> I want to remind everyone that there are multiple ways that you can follow along on the sermon. Um, we have bulletins that have the inserts. There's also the U version, which is a separate app, and the digital bulletin is in that, so you can follow along. We also have all the sermons on video that will be um, they'll be on YouTube and our Facebook page, as well as podcasts. Um, just a way that we're trying to make sure everybody can be a part of that and as we all grow together. The Christmas season is finally here. The church building is all decorated. We want to thank all those who stayed last week to help make this possible. And every year, every year during December, people get geared up for this time of year. There are decorations in the yards. Uh, Christmas movies are playing. The radio stations are filled with the seasons. And every year at this time, people start complaining about Christmas. It's too commercialized. It's too frantic. There isn't enough time. The weather's too cold. There's not enough snow. There's too much snow. There's too much gifts. We don't have enough gifts. And people start complaining. Yesterday I was out somewhere and a person goes, I hate Christmas music. And they start complaining. It wasn't anybody here, so don't look around. Okay. It seems that every December, our schedules, our lives become so chaotic. Wouldn't it be nice if we could just have a very simple, very nice, basic Christmas? One full of meaning and not drama. One that speaks to our hearts and minds and not drains our wallets. With everything that's gone on this year, how many of you would really like to finish 2020 on a good note? Right? Yes. Through this whole year, we have been inundated with constant change, and it has left us all in a state of chaos. We have all been affected somehow in this chaos. And if we have been affected by chaos... I wonder if the participants of the original Christmas event ever faced chaos and how they handled it. We're starting a whole new series on From Chaos to Christmas. Today we're going to be looking at the, the story of the wise men. It's a story of mystery. It presents a lot of questions that we truly can't answer. Questions like, where did they come from? How many of them? Um, what, how did they know to follow the star? We're... We're not told a lot of these things. We're going to read some scripture and then I want to share with you some traditions and truth about the wise men. So in Matthew chapter 2 verses 1 through 12, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of the religious law and asked, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, For this is what the prophet wrote, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you, who will be the shepherd for my people." Then Herod called for a private meeting with these wise men. He learned from them the time that the star had first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem 
And search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so I can go worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way. The star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. They went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in dream not to return to Herod. Many of us have heard this story. Many of us have seen um, illustrations and paintings and movies that all depict this. Tradition says, how many wise men were there? Kids, how many wise men were there? Say it. Three. That's, that's what tradition says. Okay. Um, tradition says they came on what kind of animal? Camels. Okay. Um, you can see, can't you just see it? Wise men seek him and you see the camels and the three wise men. Uh, tradition gives us their name. Does anybody know their names? I was doing the face back to Jim. That, so tradition says Casper, Melchior, and Belshazzar. Tradition tells us that uh, tells us what they came from. Tradition actually tells us that these wise men were baptized by Thomas, and when they died, their bodies were preserved in Constantinople. Century later, their bones were moved to Cologne, and if you have the price of admission, you can still go see those bones to this very day. Tradition has told us so much about their, their event. Where did, traditionally, where did the wise men find Jesus? Anyone? In the manger. That's not true. How old was baby Jesus when they found him? Two. That's right. He was two. There is so much tradition out there that it causes chaos on the, what the original event was like. Scripture has given us no mention of what con- country they came from. There's no scripture that tells us the number of wise men. No names were ever given. No information about how they knew about this promised king. I mean, really, why were they following the star? How did they know of its importance? Since the Bible doesn't tell us, we have to make educated guess based on other biblical facts. The Bible does say that these wise men came from the east. Well, at that time period, the major empires to the east would have been Babylon or Persian empires. We know that the Babylonians specialized in studying of the stars. We also know that during the Jewish exile, Old Testament, Daniel, faithful Jew and prophet of God, rose in such prominence, he became the chief of wise men in that area. Um, During the third ruler of the Babylonian kingdom. Then when the Persians conquered Babylon, Daniel became president of the presidents under King Darius. Many scholars suggest that these wise men from the east had ample opportunities to study the Old Testament scriptures and prophecies. Maybe they were familiar with this. Numbers 24, verse 17. I see him, but not here and now. I perceived him, but far in the distant future. A star will rise from Jacob. A scepter will emerge from Israel. It will crush the head of Moab's people, cracking the skulls of the people of Sheth. 
That's Old Testament prophecy about a coming ruler and a star who's going to point that way. So there's a chaos about this whole event of the wise men. They're all, let's just really get into this. If they were from Babylon or Persia, which is more likely, they were from those two areas, that means they were going to be surrounded by a lot of different belief systems. The Persian Empire worshipped at least 12 different deities. Okay, so they had 12 gods that they would worship. The Babylons believed there were gods over every single town or city. So not only did they have the big gods, but they had all these little gods over the towns. And if this town had a problem with this town, well, then their gods would fight and there'd be chaos. It's crazy. They thought the gods influenced much of what happened in their lives. So where these wise men came from in the east, Babylon or Persia area, they were surrounded by the chaos of conflicting belief systems. There was all these different belief systems. And really, think about the chaos of today. Don't we have conflicting beliefs all around us? We have different religions, different political parties, difference in holidays. We live in the chaos of conflicting beliefs. Even through COVID, there are conflicting um, theories and ideas about how it even started, how it transmits, how it affects people, how it's different. It's all chaos, isn't it? How do we protect ourselves? How do There's all this chaos. And through all these conflicting beliefs, our minds start swimming and churning in chaos. What's right? What's true? How do we handle it? What do we do? So what did the wise men do when they were in the midst of these conflicting belief systems? Verse 1 and 2. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem... Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. When they saw the star come from Jacob, they were ready to go and worship him who was going to wield that scepter to be the king of the Jews, the king of all kings, the Lord of all Lord. Through all this chaos that the wise men had, there was a calm, and there was a calm of God's, of true God's calling. See, there's this chaos of conflicting beliefs, but then when you come to the true God calling you, there's a calm. Now think about that for a moment. When you have a true calling, isn't that calming? Because you know it's true. You know it's going to be right. Even if there's chaos around you, there's a calm in knowing that God has called it. Okay, so the, the wise men, they went on a major voyage here. It's not like they could hop on a bus or a plane. This was an incredible undertaking. Nothing says that they did or did not bring their families. How many of you have ever been on a vacation or a traveling time with your families? All of you laughing because you know that is not calming. It's chaotic. Trying to pack everything... Now think about, we've got to go back in the time period. If they took their families, it's possible this caravan had several members in it. We know they're traveling with treasures. It says they opened up their treasure chest and gave it. We know they're traveling with these. And as the roads back then were notorious for bandits. So it's very likely that they traveled with some bodyguards. Some hired thugs to help protect them. 
And if they had that much treasure and bodyguards, they'd also have to travel with servants and attendants to carry and prepare the food and do the chores of this, which meant they were going to be bringing the food to be slaughtered. You understand? So you have the attendants to take care of the food before it's food. Most scholars agree that this was quite possibly a very large group of travelers, not three guys. Now I can tell you when we go on vacation, my wife works very hard to make sure everything is properly planned and then the boys in the household mess it up. We bring the chaos. See, she helps organize all the suitcases, make sure you have enough of this, this, and this, and please don't forget deodorant. That's always on the list for the boys. We plan out our trip. We know about how far we're going to go and stop for gas. We know this is where we want to stop for food. We know this is our destination. We want to be here at this time period. We have it all planned out. How long we're going to do all that. And even with all this meticulous planning, traveling can become very chaotic. And see, these wise men experience the chaos of that journey. The chaos of possible bandits. The chaos of all this traveling, the weather. You ever traveled somewhere when it's cold and wintry or winds? Well, lucky for you. Why are we traveling? Why are we willing to go through the hassles of preparing for a vacation? Why are we willing to go through the snowy weather for yet another family Christmas gathering? Why do we do all this? I just lost my sermon. <laughs> That's funny. Wow, it's good. What did you say? I don't know where it is. Hold on. Desktop. What's the name of the sermon? Wise man. Technology. Oh, hey, there it is. Okay. Chaos! We have chaos. Okay, so why do we go through the Christmas journey? The Christmas gathering? The wise men didn't even know where they were going, did they? They didn't know. Can you imagine that type of chaos? You come home and tell your wife, hey, we're going on a journey. Really? Where? I don't know. How long are we going to be there? I don't know. What region is it in? I don't know. That's right. Ladies, you wouldn't like that. Now, there's a little bit of adventure in that, but when you are trying to plan and all that, that is chaotic. Why are we going? There's a newborn king. Really? What family? I don't know. There's all this different chaos. Imagine telling your work, hey, I'm going on a trip. I don't know when I'll be back. I don't know where I'm going. don't know how long. Nothing. And everybody go, you're nuts. These guys had the chaos of journey. So why would they venture out in the midst of all this chaos? Because they knew the calm of the destination. They didn't know where. They didn't know what. But they knew the destination. They didn't know the location of the, the child king. But they knew what the destination was. They said, we have come to worship him. They didn't come to give him a gift. These wise men didn't come just to do a, a family house visit. They came to worship. And that is what changes a chaotic journey to a calming destination. They knew that the one they were going to see was worthy of worship. 
They knew the one they were coming was a divine destination. Each year we are bombarded with the chaos of this season. We have to journey to various events, family gatherings, numerous supply runs to the stores. We do all this because we know the destination is to spend some quality time with our family, our loved ones. But more than that, you and I need to know that sometimes we have to go through a chaotic journey so we can come to the calming destination of being in the presence of our King, of the, the Divine One. We just have to be ready to take that journey when God calls us. God provided a star to guide the wise men. God has always been faithful in His leading. He led the ch children of Israel through the wilderness, providing a pillar of cloud and um, a pillar of fire. He's led in dramatic ways and other ways He leads very calming, simple ways. God promises to lead us if we'll let Him. Someone once said, the eye of the faith is one that is willing to take the next step and trust God to direct that next step. What they're saying is, I don't know where that next step is, but He told me to step, and before I even look, I am already stepping. That's what the eye of the faithful looks like. And we can do that because we know He has it. How many of you know what the next mandates are going to be? Nobody knows. How many of you know when the lift uh, lockdowns and all that are going to be lifted and when we can get back to normal or if there's going to be a normal? How many of you know when the schools are going to be doing this or the schools are going to do that or your jobs? You don't know what is tomorrow holds. We don't even know if next year, 21, is going to be any better or if it's going to be worse. But we do know that when we are in His hands... He does lead. He will guide each step if we let Him. Jesus said, I will never leave you. I will never leave you alone. I will send you my comforter, the Holy Spirit, to guide you in all truth. He will never lead, lead us or leave us alone. And so we can always have that calm of the destination. We know something else about the wise men. These wise men were looking for something. They looked for answers. They looked through the ancient text. They looked for signs. They were looking. And when they were looking, they saw the star. But notice, they still didn't know where to find the king. They just knew the star led that way. And they stopped to ask King Herod. Now, we're going to get into King Herod next week. Okay, you want to know about the chaos of King Herod? Please come next time. But these were hopefully looking for something new, these wise men. They were wanting to experience something divine. Through all this, the wise men experienced the chaos of chance. They didn't really know. They just took a chance on following the star. They took a chance on going on this journey. They took a chance on asking King Herod. They didn't quite know. They just took a chance and it causes chaos. And we too have the same thing, the, the chaos of chance. The chance that your family will actually get together and there'll be no drama. Not big chance there, huh? The chance that we'll find something meaningful this year. The chance that I won't be alone. The chance that I'll be able to make the payments. The chance that we'll find that perfect gift. We're constantly looking around. We're constantly searching and looking all in this chaos of chance. Thinking we need to... Uh, truly need something. We uh, need a bigger house, a newer car. We're looking for the chance of a better job for more pay, a chance for a deeper relationship, a, a chance for a brighter future. 
And we keep looking around. We look to celebrities and sports stars. We look to CEOs. We look for signs and hope that we're going to come across that one thing that's going to give us hope. Just for the chance of it. So what are you looking for right now in your life? With all these different things vying for attention, striving for your devotion, if you're constantly searching for those things, you will live in the chaos of chance. What are you trying to fill your life with? Going back to the wise men, in the middle of their chaos of chance, what did they do? They said, we came to the newborn, uh, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw a star as it rose and we have come to worship him. They came to truly worship the newborn king in the midst of the uh, chaos of chance. They came to the calm of true worship. And I think that's really amazing. They were from a pagan world where people worship stars and all these false idols. These guys were pretty religious and seer men, but their lives were based on this chance that I hope this is the right God I'm appeasing today. I hope this is the right God who's going to bless me. I have this chance that maybe this will be the right one. Despite everything they had, wealth, prestige, power, there was this deep emptiness in their life. Otherwise, they wouldn't have gone on this journey. And when they came to that house and saw the Christ child, calming happened. And they fell down and worshipped. And this made me ask myself this question, what are we worshipping today? It's not the Christ that's not going to meet the needs of our lives. There's always going to be emptiness until we come to the calm of true worship. You'll always be unfulfilled until you come to where Jesus is and find Him for what He is, the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God. Then, and only then, will those deep longings of your heart be met and you will experience the calm of true worship. And hear me on this. True worship doesn't mean loud songs, soft songs. It doesn't mean new songs or old songs. True worship is an attitude of submitting to the one who is God. True worship is saying, you are holy and I am just blessed to be in your presence. True worship is saying, God, I will give you anything and everything. When the wise men came, it said they brought gifts. And so we're going to look real quick, what are these gifts? There was gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. There's a lot of speculations about what these symbolisms mean, and so we're going to hit just the basic ones. Gold typically represents wealth. That's, we know this. Um, Solomon sat on a throne inlaid with gold. The temple that he built was plated with gold. We read of what kind of streets in heaven? Golden streets. Okay? God repre- uh, gold represents a wealth of the new king. But yet Jesus was born in the poverty of a stable. He even died in poverty because the world is not his wealth. That he is the wealth. Frankincense is derived from cutting a slit in the bark of an Arabian tree. And that yellow sap has a very nice fragrance. It is hardened and then used as incense in worship. So frankincense represents worship. Notice three times we've mentioned the word worship in today's sermon. Frankincense represents true worship. Myrrh comes from stunted trees. It's a brown, fragrant perfume that is used to anoint 
the dead, to embalm and preserve them. So myrrh represents the work of Jesus, the mission of Jesus. He came to die on the cross, to take our sins and hold them on the cross for us. So we have wealth, worship, and work. I had to make it a little alliteration just to make it sound good. And they imagined when they saw the star, they grabbed the best they had around and left to find this newborn king. And they brought with them something to show that he is worthy of all their wealth, that he is the true treasure. They came to show and give him frankincense and said, this is a fragrant offering to you, just as our songs, our devotions are to God. And then they brought that myrrh, really symbolizing that this child, I mean, imagine this. Here, Mary, here is something that is for the embalming of your son and his future. Because he didn't come to be nice. He came to die for our sins. Worship isn't about singing. It isn't about wearing nice clothes or coming to a church service. Worship is a lifestyle. It is a proclamation that we need God to survive and even thrive in this world. Worship is saying that God is holy, that God is righteous, and that we are not. Worship is proclaiming that Jesus is God, the true King. When we come to that calm of worship, we will never be the same. The wise men went home a different way. After they met Jesus, they didn't go home in the same place. They didn't take the same thing. It says they departed from their own country by another way. These wise men, after they come in contact with Jesus, left in a different direction. And when you and I come to that true worship, when we come into the calming effect of the destination of the divine, we cannot go on in our life the same way. We have to choose. Are we going to let Him influence us so that our new destination is how we get to heaven? Or are we going to reject everything that he is and try to go back? But you can never walk the same path. You can't. Once you come into contact, once you come into the real sense of worship. And, and let me, some people, some people maybe even today have never truly come to worship Jesus. They, they come and sing songs. They come and attend a service. But they have never come to worship, to elevate, to honor, to glorify who Jesus is. And it's time that we do that. And even if you've done it before, but imagine if we kept coming to that call of always coming to worship the Christ. All the chaos that's coming this month, that's already here and more is coming. Isn't it nice to know we can stand in the calming presence of our God? That we can honor and worship Him. And all that chaos falls away. It fades into oblivion because He is the center of it all. He is our focus. He is our life. If you've never really ever worshipped Him, will you try that today? Last week we had some people come over and pray with individuals. And if you want to do that, I'm just going to say go over in the cafe and we'll have somebody come over and pray with you. If you need that, that's what we want to do.
If you need to make a decision for Christ, come talk to Dustin and I or one of the elders. We want to talk to you about that calming effect of truly coming into contact with God. And as we close this time of the service, as we get ready to sing this next song, really think about it. And will you really open your heart and your mind and worship. Truly come to Christ right now. So let's stand. Let's open our minds and our hearts and proclaim who He is.